Hello and welcome to another episode of Pharmacast, the podcast from the School of Pharmacy at Queen's University, Belfast. Um, delighted to be joined uh, by a number of our now internationally localised former PhD students on the podcast today uh, and the next in our, our research uh, theme of podcasts. Delighted to be joined by Professor Carmel Hughes, who is Professor of Primary Care Pharmacy from the school, who you'll have heard in the podcast previously but also uh, by Dr. Amira Hassan-Ibrahim and Dr. Hua Nguyen, um, who are formerly off the School of Pharmacy as PhD students, but as we'll find out over the course of the rest of the podcast today, are now doing great things um, across the globe, which is really, really exciting to say. So it'd be um, interesting to speak to you all about what you're doing now, your experience um, in Belfast as PhD students as well. But before we get into that, I think it would probably be a good idea for everybody to introduce themselves. Um, a little bit about what you're doing now, and we can obviously talk a little bit more about that later as well. So, Carmel, maybe if I, I start with yourself, just in terms of reintroducing yourself to everybody. Uh, thanks very much, Dan. So, um, I'm Carmel Hughes. I'm Professor of Primary Care Pharmacy at the School of Pharmacy, as Dan said. And I supervise both Amira and Hua over the, the course of their, their PhDs. Uh, and I'm continuing to do research and supervise students within the school as part of my current role. Thanks, Carmel. Amira, what about yourself? Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, I am Amira Hassan Ibrahim, and uh, I'm a research assistant uh, in a clinical pharmacy and pharmacy practice at Zaytuna University of Jordan in Jordan. And uh, as Dan said, I am a former PhD student uh, in the QUB. Uh, and now I am uh, doing a uh, research here in Jordan in primary care and uh, in a clinical pharmacy. Good stuff. Thanks, Amira. And well, yourself? Yeah, hi everyone. My name is Hua and I'm from Vietnam. So I started my PhD in 2017 with Camel Hughes, who is with my supervisor. And I'm now um, a lecturer and also a researcher at the Department of Legal Pharmacy at University of Medicine and Pharmacy in Ho Chi Minh City. Good stuff. Thanks, Hua. Thanks, everybody, for those. So, yeah, we're harnessing the, the wonder of technology today. So um, we haven't asked you all to, to come and join us for the purposes of recording the podcast in Belfast today. So appreciate you jumping on to, to Zoom and being able to see you all and have a conversation with you. With that in mind, I, I thought it would be quite interesting to, to speak to both yourselves, Amira and Hua, about how you actually came to be taking your PhDs in Belfast. Um, so if we, we go a little bit back in time a few years to, to when you were thinking about studying a PhD, thinking about where to do that and, and who to work with on your PhDs, could you maybe talk a little bit about the, the sort of thought process and how things kind of came to be, Amira, maybe if I, I start with you on that one? Yes. Uh, so um, I got uh, first, I got a scholarship, a PhD scholarship uh, from Zaytuna University of Jordan. Uh, to continue my uh, studies. Uh, before uh, the PhD, I got uh, a master's degree in pharmaceutical sciences from El Zaytun University of Jordan uh, with a high grade. So be be because of that, I got this uh, scholarship. Uh, and then uh, I was, I, I, I remember I was doing a research, uh, a search on uh, Google to find uh, who can, um, who will be uh, like conduct a research in a clinical pharmacy and pharmacy practice. And I have read the uh, uh, Prof. Carmel, uh, he was uh, on QB profile, and I was uh, like, uh, uh, I was interested in uh, her uh, research and what she uh, doing, what she is doing. Uh, so I, I remember I have contacted uh, Prof. Carmel, uh, and before I have contacted the uh, Prof. Carmel, uh, there was a um, a former PhD student from QB who contacted the Prof. Carmel uh, and they like introduced uh, me to her. And then I uh, have contacted her after that. Um, and then I took like acceptance uh, from her to like to be my supervisor, supervisor and and. I am I, I was lucky. <laughs> uh, I'm lucky now and I was lucky uh, to be uh, to be Prof Carmel. He was my uh, supervisor because I learned a lot from her um, and what I am now uh, it's all uh, because she was my supervisor and learned me a lot of things. Um, and then um, I moved uh, to Belfast after I got uh, acceptance uh, from Prof Carmel. 
and then um and the, my uh, university like accept that okay this is what we want this is what the field like clinical pharmacy and pharmacy practice because El Zaytun University of Jordan need for uh, was a need for me to get uh, a scholarship in this field uh, then uh, I moved to uh, Belfast with my family my husband and my uh, daughter um it was uh, like a great experience for me uh, and it's also a new experience because it's a different country um a new uh, accent for me. it was <laughs> it was really a very strong accent uh, so <laughs> i i remember uh, i remember when i um, like the first like months uh, when I traveled to Belfast, it was so hard uh, because I need to adapt to a lot of things <laughs> um, like the people, the accent. This is what <laughs> the accent and for everything, also the foods. Um, so it was like for me a great experience. Um, and this is the what I what is my in my mind for the first like uh, months in uh, Belfast. Okay. That's good. Yeah. The, the, the conversation sometimes can be very tricky for people who are coming to visit us for the yes. first time. It's um, a lot of very fast speaking and a lot of very different accents as well. But yes. You're, you're fast speaking and yeah, different accents. <laughs> well, I mean, you're, we're having a perfectly fluent conversation here today. So you've obviously um, been very well trained in understanding the Northern Irish accents now. So you're practically at this point um well what about yourself how did you find yourself to, to come to be over in belfast working with carmel yes yeah sure so um you know um as if um when i was a student a pharmacy student well i just dream of uh, a day that i could be you know bring a brush to study higher um and um you know choosing um the position uh, working at the university is one of my choice because you know, when I was a student, um, my my friends they said that oh well, I, I may have a talent to you know delivering lecture because uh, when when we have a time you know to to review everything we learned from class, and and my friend told me that well what I I you know try to discuss with them and make them easy to understand. So that's why um, I kind of why 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 don't I I choose position as a lecturer or working in a university. So that's why when I um, graduated from my university, with, which I'm actually working now, so I, I decided to stay in school and working for a while. Um, however, because at that time I was, um, you know, a um, bachelor of pharmacy, um, so the school required me to get a higher level, like um, a master or a PhD degree, so that I could, you know, deliver lecture to other students or else I would still be like a teaching assistant. So that's the, that's the, the point that I'm thinking, you know, um, seriously, um, I would need to study higher, like getting pursue my PhD. Well, um, the problem is that at that time, um, I, I, I was married, um, you know, with my wife, actually we both working at the same university and the same faculty. And we, we could think the way, how could we pursue the PhD, but going at the same time and the same school and, and at the same university as well, and maybe graduated at the same time so that we can go back to Vietnam and, and, and work. So um, we thought uh, of it, you know, many times and also such a lot of, uh, you know, uh, um, news on the internet, is there any uh, chance, opportunities to stay higher? And, and well, I, I think fortunately at that time, there was like a cooperation program between Queens and, um, in my university. So um, there was a representative from Queens. I remember that is the Heather. So she was sent to the university to, uh, you know, present it, uh, the, the, some sort of um, a cooperation program between the two uh, universities. Well, at that time, I was a bit skeptical because, um, well, because I, I still like um, a bachelor of pharmacy. Here, uh, as I suppose I know, if I want to pursue a PhD, I must complete the master first. Um, and, and that's the regular way if you want to stay higher to get a PhD degree. And, and then we also looking for other uh, resources. And we also make a lot of in inquiries regarding to the PhD program at Queen's. And we found that, um, well, actually, they, they accepted uh, our degree so that we could pursue the PhD. And, uh, 
Another convenience is that we only need to, to spend around three to four years to complete a PhD. Uh, if if I, I spend like a normal way, so I would need to spend two years as master and then four years basically. So in total, we will spend six years. So um, then we decided, well, maybe Queens is a good choice first. And and another another challenge that well study abroad is just our dream because we we just like to you know go outside the country to see new uh new new uh, culture maybe try new foods and and meeting new people so that's uh that's part that we apply a scholarship from the government at that time the government also you know they they provided uh, lecturers working in university uh, some scholarships and and luckily we got both scholarships to go to to the UK. Um, and at that time, uh, we really, you know, feel really grateful. But um, looking back, actually, there are some, there were some people that really connecting us with Queens as well. So at the time, you know, um, we, we we just came to the main campus uh, after my university to, to get information. So uh, we've heard the news that there also another professor at Queens. So she was, um, you know, so she had, uh, he had, his business at, um, and in Vietnam, and he would visit uh, our university in for for one day. So we we set up you know a plan to meet him. So that was um, Professor Lam Murray. So he's working in, in the School of Public Health, and, and that was the first time we 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 um, we met him. And and actually, he really opened you know the gate first to Queens. And like myself, because uh, my major is is pharmacy. Actually, my wife as well, but her major. Um, you know, could be based at um, the, the the school of public health where Liam Murray worked. So actually, he could introduce um, my wife and also one of my colleagues to the school of um, public health. But for me, my project is about pharmacy. So he said that well, he had a very good friend at the school of pharmacy. So he would introduce that friend for me, and that is um, that was Professor Cameron Hughes. Uh, so this is like you know some sort of um, coincidence uh, um, occasion, but actually it was like a, a big a, a great opportunity, and this is how I I you know I met uh, Professor Hughes, and uh, actually before we we uh, set up everything, I remember at that time um, uh, Professor Hughes Camel also sent me some emails regarding to um, you know. A meeting to set up uh, to see to, to get a proposal and so to prepare everything some paperwork before we go to Queens. Um, but at that time I, I didn't know what actually happened because my email box I didn't receive any of her you know paperwork even like some papers and and suddenly I, I received the information that um, Carmel really wanted to meet me because uh, she didn't hear from me uh, recently. So I, I was really surprised and I when I realized that all of my all of her emails were sent into my spam. And I thought, oh my goodness, I, I got it busted. But actually, <laughs> well, I, I um, when I met uh, Professor Hughes and well, after um conversation with her, I know that well, it is not kind of um difficult as I talked. Uh, she was very really nice and also she uh, you know accepted my uh, you know careless um mistake. I didn't know that the email into my spam because I didn't check it. But finally, um, um, I just followed the, the pathway and, and, and also we got the scholarship to go to Queens. And I, su I suppose that we, uh, we, we felt the same culture shock with Amir as well when we went to a new country and, and, and the people were really nice, but they spoke a very heavy accent. Just like um, you know, here we, we speak Vietnamese, but of course we also have different reasons. Yeah. Where some reason when we went there, uh, we, we we go there, we we, we actually uh, don't understand or don't know what it really means. <laughs> so here we we just like we practice speaking English, and we just like uh, although we get uh, the, the IELTS test, and we like feel like very confident with our English, but when we we run in Belfast, we have no idea what they're talking about. They somehow like talking another, another language, so we try to listen carefully. But actually, we didn't get what they mean. Um, but finally, you know, uh, and again, uh, I, I met Carmel, and actually, she spoke the, the, the real English, I suppose, because I could understand what she speak, what she spoke. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and thanks to her, uh, thanks to her, wow, welcome. Uh, so we, um, I, I easily, quickly, you know, get used to the culture at Queens.
And until it was like a very surprising culture shock, but that's that that point, that occasion really opened me, you know, um, a new uh, period where I'm, I stay in PCS Queens has a lot of experiences, great experiences at here. So yeah, there's there is a a steep learning curve um, when it comes to going yeah. anywhere. That's kind of very different to home, um, and that's that's very true when it's coming to Northern Ireland and coming to Belfast. But I know that you've both done very well. You know, you're practically locals. So I think it's um, you're at the point now where you could be having a conversation with the the fastest talkers in Belfast, and certainly be be keeping up with them on top of all of that. So great to hear that that background in terms of how you ended up of being here, and that those little bits of serendipity in terms of being able to kind of network with some some academics in the university and obviously with Carmel as well. And I guess on that, so, you know, we've kind of worked out how you, you came to be in Belfast and how you came to work with Carmel. I'm really interested, obviously, with your background and the context in, in which both of you came over to Belfast to, to undertake your PhDs, what those projects were and, and, and what you ended up doing in, in your PhDs as well. So, Amira, maybe if I, I start with you, could you give us a little bit of a, an overview of what your PhD project was, what kind of came out of that as well? Yeah. Uh, when I came uh, to Belfast at that time, uh, the practice-based pharmacist, those uh, pharmacists uh, who uh, works in general practice, uh, they were first introduced uh, in, uh, into general practices in, in Northern uh, Ireland. So uh, my uh, research uh, uh, like uh, focuses uh, on those uh, practice-based uh, uh, pharmacists, uh, like because my research is focused also on the primary care, as you know, like primary care uh, in the UK uh, faces challenges due to like growing complexity of an aging population and their care needs and a workforce crisis. Uh, because of that, practice-based pharmacists have been introduced into general practice, not only in the uh, Northern Ireland, across the UK, um, uh, to relieve uh, some of uh, the pressures uh, within primary care. So um, as the role of a practice-based pharmacist, is relatively new and little is known about the exact nature of this role and how these pharmacists like will optimize medicines management for older people and um, and at that time also there is uh, there was little uh, uk literature uh, that has like explored uh, uh, healthcare professionals views about practice based pharmacist integration and how this role has evolved um uh, therefore um uh, our research uh, aimed uh, to explore uh, the role of a practice-based pharmacist uh, in Northern uh, in Northern Ireland and their uh, impact uh, on the delivery of care in general practice. Uh, during my uh, research, uh, we have used uh, a mixed methods approach, uh, like I can say about systematic review, uh, quantitative and qualitative uh, evaluation. Um, we uh, we also use a, a Delphi uh, consensus exercise uh, to explore uh, the role of a practice-based pharmacist. Uh, do you want for me to talk a little about the methods or only like an overview? You can do. You know, it, it's interesting to hear a little bit more about how you've done your research and, and the techniques that you, you worked with Carmel on when you were here. So, you know, absolutely. It'd be great to hear a little bit more about those. Yeah, uh, uh, particularly uh, this took a lot of time for us, like, uh, to manage this project because it's 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 relatively new. It was relatively new, and uh, uh, we need to know uh, which uh, uh, method we need to start with. Uh, so we have uh, started uh, doing like um, a quantitative study. And uh, for, for for the first study for me was like, uh, uh, sorry, a systematic review. Uh, to like to see what in the uh, literature, uh, what the types and uh, interventions uh, from a practice-based pharmacist seeking to optimize like uh, medicine management for older people. So uh, uh, my research is like, okay, we want to look to the role of a practice-based pharmacist, but we need to see how these practice-based pharmacists also optimize uh, medication management for older people. So we, uh, our like uh, population was uh, uh, like older people. So this was the first study for me, uh, systematic review. Then we, uh, from uh, the result of this uh, uh, study, uh, we moved uh, to another uh, study, which was um, uh, exploratory in nature. Uh, using a cross-sectional uh, questionnaire uh, to explore uh, general practitioners' uh, experiences 
uh, with views of and attitude toward the practice-based pharmacists uh, in Northern Ireland. Uh, then uh, from this study, we moved to uh, a third study, which was a qualitative investigation in which like we um, explore the views and experiences uh, of GBs, practice-based pharmacists, uh, community pharmacists, uh, about the practice-based pharmacist integration uh, into general practice and their impact on primary healthcare uh, delivery in Northern Ireland. So it's like, uh, as we de- as we do now, it's like an interview with these uh, healthcare professionals. And uh, finally, uh, the final study was like a Delphi study. Um, uh, to reach like uh, consensus on uh, a core set of uh, clinical skills uh, required for these uh, pharmacist prescribers working in uh, general practice. Uh, so these uh, those are uh, my uh, main uh, four uh, study uh, conducted during my PhD. Uh, um, for this uh, research, we um, I think uh, the or the importance of this uh, research, uh, like adding to the evidence uh, base regarding practice-based pharmacist role uh, and their impact uh, in the primary uh, care, uh, and uh, like um, uh, the findings may have implications for a future development uh, in order to extend the. Um, integration of a practice-based pharmacist uh, within a uh, general practice. Uh, so this, like um, uh, my research, like the aim of this research and uh, how we uh, conducted this research and uh, like what the importance of this uh, research. I think uh, like uh, I can like move or uh, transfer this experience uh, to Jordan. Uh, okay, we don't have uh, until now a practice-based pharmacist, uh, but I can use the same skills that I have learned in my PhD uh, to conduct a research between like uh, community pharmacists and physicians. So it's, it's similar, we can, what we have learned in PhD, can I translate into Jordan? Yes, I can uh, do that. So this is, uh, what I am thinking about my BG, if you want to ask me anything about that. Well, yeah, I think because you started to touch upon a question I wanted to come back to you on, which is, you know, the the work that you're doing now. So we'll maybe talk Mm. a little bit about that later on in terms of what you're doing in your current research. Uh, For now, though, um, it might be a good opportunity for you to talk a little bit about your PhD with Carmel and and what you did during it as well. Yeah, so um, I I was working at the Department of Clinical Pharmacy. So my major is about clinical pharmacy where we, um, we, we try to, you know, do some work to provide pharmaceutical care for patients. You know, we're looking for um, optimizing medicines, how to use it correctly or properly for, for patients. And my, my big interest would be, you know, antibiotics, where we would use medicine to treat infection. And, and also, you know, before doing PhD, I also, you know, read through the, the profile of Camel, and I know that uh, she is an expert Began to you know all the people research on people. So um, after discussion, we um, decided to go for a topic about um, you know antibiotic use in older people and you know in, in care home because care homes are just like primary care level um, for older people in community, uh, especially in, in the UK. Um, at that time, well, before I, I, I came to Belfast, I thought that uh, maybe I could do some kind of interventions like how to optimizing intervention for, for the patient, improve uh, antibiotic use in care homes. However, when, when I, I met Camel several times, and also I have read new papers, we um, decided, and this, we discussed, and then we decided to go for, you know, uh, building, you know, uh, what we call a core outcome set of um, measures uh, to be used in uh, trials to improve uh, antibiotic use in care homes. What means that, this is like a broader term. So for example, if you would like doing some research or do some interventions to um, you know, um, improve antibiotic use in care homes. So our question is that how can we know this intervention is effective? How, how, how could we measure? It's just it's about measures. How can we measure um, you know, the, the, the effective level, the effectiveness of the intervention and, and whether that measure really meaningful to the patients because we know that in previous research, of course, a lot of study, they, they um, proposed a lot of measures. However, maybe that measure really, uh, they, they actually useful for the researchers, 
but there's no you know meaningful to the clinical the clinicians or physicians even the patients so that's why we we decided to develop a core concept what we call a set of um, important measures so that uh, the trials if they want to improve antibiotic use in care homes so they would look at that set would use that set to measure to know how effective the intervention the intervention works and that's really like a new um, topic to me, because um, I know that in previously our uh, research here and at my department, we will only focus on, you know, numbers. We use numbers to do statistics to see whether there's any difference. But here, this approach seems like more regarding, you know, a social approach where you would use some, some uh, what we call a qualitative study where we do interview with, with um, you know, physicians or patients or even pharmacists to get the ideas. And then we would use that to build up, uh, you know, a, a set of measures, as I mentioned before. And during this, my study, besides, um, you know, uh, some previous work to uh, compile all of the study to see how they uh, use the measure in, in, in the previous study, I also, you know, interview a lot of what we call experts, what means that, um, researchers or physicians or even the patients, care home patients or carers, the carers of care home patients um, uh, to see um, what they talk about antibiotic use in care homes and what they think would be, you know, useful to measure whether that intervention really works at care home. And at that, then we combine a list of measures and then we also send them to another expert. So we would uh, broaden the expert into the international level where we invite, you know, not only the UK, the people in the UK, but also uh, maybe in the US, the other European countries, or even like Australia, et cetera, to see how they think, how they rate the important level of that measures. And after that, then we end up, okay, we get the list of the, the measures, but then how can we measure it? We know that, okay, we, we're talking about the, the antibiotic and the number of antibiotics, but how can we measure that? So it would be another study then uh, to see, to set, to set up, you know, uh, the way we, we, we could, we could use to measure, uh, to, to measure that kind of, uh, metrics, I'll say. So it's another, you know, what we call, um, uh, a, a downfee survey, which means that we, we would send this to expert and then they would rate which measure would be appropriate or, or feasible to do. And, and that is all my, my study about to, you know, and, and at the end, we also end up, you know, a set of only five outcomes and really few measures could be uh, could be used in clinical trials. So that's what happens, you know, in my PhD project. Great stuff. Very interesting. It sounds like you both had to do a, an enormous amount of work over the course of your PhDs and obviously very impactful as well. Um, Carmel, I, I guess before we, we start to talk about a little bit about how you're all continuing to work together, I know that that your group and the team that you work with is has a significant number of international students in it, as well as home students as well. I know you're a big proponent of, of working with international students in the group as well too. And I just wanted to know a little bit more, you know, from your perspective on, on what that brings to, to your group and what it brings to the research that's that's happening in the School of Pharmacy at Queen's in terms of having, you know, Amira and Hoha are obviously really, really great examples of the international students that you've worked with, but but how that maybe brings a different maybe perspective on things in terms of how your research is done. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, Dan, because um, clearly the university is very keen for international students to come to Queen's to um, to undertake research. And there are, you know, financial reasons for doing that. But I think also what what international students can bring in terms of their background and their culture. Um, and I think also their enthusiasm for learning. And that was, I think, particularly the case with Amira Noir, who were just so committed to their work and um, just saw this as a fantastic opportunity to learn and to grow um, and grasped every opportunity to learn and to grow. And again, I think that has been common with a number of PhD students that I've had who are just so enthusiastic about their topics and um, are very grateful for the opportunity to come to a, a university overseas and to learn as much as they can. Um, so I, I think they do enthusiasm, which can be quite infectious then for other students as well. Um, and I think other students then can be influenced by, I think, the work ethic and the approach that international students can, can bring to, to the, the research group. 
I suppose the other thing to to bear in mind as well is that um, many many of the international students will take broader opportunities um, to look around um, where they are, not just in terms of, of Northern Ireland, but further afield. And I think was a case in point. He did take the opportunity to travel quite a bit when he was based in Northern Ireland. And I know he went to Europe and he went to visit family in, in the USA as well. So, but at the same time, was able to get the work done. Amira had family responsibilities. And in fact, her husband was doing a PhD as well. So, you know, both of them had um, lots of other commitments, um, but managed to keep the balance right and got the work done. And as you said, they did an incredible amount of work over the course of the time that that they were um, uh, with us at Queen's. And I think Amir and Ba probably just exhausted every course that the graduate school he had to offer. Um, <laughs> but again, they just saw that as a great opportunity to learn. And, and you know, I, I think we said to you on a couple of occasions, Amira, that we could really track a change in um, your uh, ability in both spoken and also written English. So when it came to the time for you to put your thesis together, it was relatively more straightforward than certainly my experience has been with some other students, but you really put the effort in, in terms of learning how to think and to write in English. And I know also you made every effort as possible to speak English. And I think you do have to immerse yourself to some extent in the culture, so much so that, you know, there was a point uh, with Hua where I could hear that he was beginning to develop yeah. Northern Ireland twang yeah. in the way that he spoke yeah. and he would use words like you know my wee chapter or um, <laughs> you know my, my wee study so you know he was almost becoming an honorary northern irish person um but again i think that that just reflects how how much effort they put in to immerse themselves in the culture to seize learning opportunities and I think they were just great examples of international students who made the, the best out of the experience and gained as much as they possibly could. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, it's it's, it's kind of brings a lot to, to the research and to the group, but then you know that but brings a lot to the, the students as well in terms of the experience that they're having. And yeah, it's good why I hear the little the Belfast colloquialisms coming in and everything that you're you're saying as well. Hopefully that still persists until today. Um oh, really that's three years Three years for my laptop fast I still use to keep it accent. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a little bit of it there, I think. Yeah. Um, I, I guess on that too. So it's interesting to hear that you both you both came to Belfast and undertook projects that I and correct me if I'm wrong, but that appear to be very focused on healthcare within the sort of Northern Irish context and the Belfast mm -hmm. context as well. Um, did you find that was there any element of that that was challenging, given that, you know, you obviously would have been much more familiar with healthcare systems in your home countries and how mm -hmm. they worked? Mm -hmm. Was there any sort of challenge or difficulty that you guys had in terms of, of getting used to how the, the Belfast, the Northern Irish, the UK health system worked and, and kind of understanding that as well as understanding your research work? Yes, uh, for uh, Jordan, like the healthcare system in Jordan uh, differ from uh, UK. Okay. So, for example, uh, we don't have here like a care home or nursing home a lot. Okay. Uh, and uh, also for the primary care, uh, we only have like a GBs here in Jordan. But in, in UK, we have uh, like GB nurse, uh, uh, general practice based pharmacist. So that took uh, for me um, a lot of time to <laughs> first to understand the difference between the healthcare system in the UK versus the healthcare system in uh, Jordan. Uh, particularly for, for me, uh, my research uh, uh, focused on practice-based pharmacists. So for me, this is like uh, a new topic, uh, a new role that I am not familiar with it. Uh, so when uh, I started my uh, research, I, I, was read a I read a lot about that. Uh, and what helped me um, is uh, was doing the systematic review uh, because uh, I went back to the literature and see what other countries uh, did, what the research conducted in this area. Uh, so maybe um, maybe I have read like three hundred some something <laughs> for our systematic review, and it's like maybe we have started. I I remember that maybe Prof. Carmen also uh, he was remember that. We have started with a huge amount of uh, articles, like maybe 5,000. And then we have started like 
to cut down the number to reach maybe on 300 and something. And I need to go to the full text of this article to see <laughs> if it's included in my systematic review. So <laughs> uh, I can't uh, like, uh, I remember that because it took a lot of time for me, but I have learned a lot yeah. from that. Yeah, this is the first study, but for it's what like, it make me uh, uh, understand what this research mean, what practice-based pharmacists uh, do in UK or in other uh, countries. So uh, yeah, it took a lot of time for me for to understand uh, that topic because there, there, there are differences in the healthcare system between UK and uh, Jordan. And once you have started like uh, understand uh, this role, you move on like study after study. And when I have finished my uh, PhD and I have looked to my thesis I found myself, oh, now <laughs> I can say I am expert now in the whole practice-based pharmacist. Of course, I, I can't do that with my, without my uh, supervisor because she, she supervised me on every, uh, like, details on every step, step. So she told me, like, do that, like, look to that. So, yeah, I think the uh, supervision from uh, a very good supervisor, that will help the PhD student to finish their PhD with this, like we can say, uh, with this high quality, <laughs> I can say, yeah. Absolutely. Um, well, what about yourself in terms of the challenges from, you know, the context of Vietnam there and, and what we do over here, you know, were things much different? Did that make life a little bit more difficult to start? And was there anything sort um, of strange you had to kind of look after in that perspective? Yeah, well, I think, I think you know, the most challenging I don't think I think it'd be I, I think it would be the same with Amirada. The most challenging for any international students would be um you know the language barrier. Yeah. Like um especially you know in Belfast, you would use like um you know the heavy accent, not in Belfast, but if you work you know outside Belfast, remember that I, I travel you know to the south or even like to, to the west of Belfast, then the accent change actually changed. And and um, you know, because I, I, I did a study to interview um participants. Uh, and then uh, I, I would interview actually people, you know, around uh, Northern Ireland and, and some of them, they use like very, very heavy accents. So I have no idea what they, they were talking about. Although I, I use a recorder, recorder, of course, I would transcribe and then I, I, I couldn't say more. But some people, you know, they, they, they tend, you know, to be verbose where we talk a lot. <laughs> and when I ask a question, then and they could spend like 10 minutes, even 15 minutes. To, to just keep talking and and at that time I didn't know what I was you know, in the country because they feel like I, I was in like a different country not in the UK and and I remember that you know at the next days where I I need to do some sort of um, um, a meeting with the participants and and, and I would ask come on that uh, who would be the, like you know the presenter and who would be the coordinator and come on said well it, it, it will be you. And I was like, oh my goodness, I, again, I'm going to be, you know, presenter and also the coordinator. So I, I quite, you know, nervous at that time because uh, although I, I was in Belfast like two or three years, but I'm not actually confident regarding really understand the accent. Um, well, I, I, don't, I, I don't mean to say it's lucky because it was COVID time and, you know, the meeting was canceled. Uh, but actually, I, I also need to later on as coordinator to write an email to participants and to explain them again, you know, but at least um, because um, I, I, I didn't, you know, interview them uh, directly like in my previous day, so it would less pressure than um, before. But but I suppose that would be the, the biggest challenge, I suppose, uh, you know, uh, when, when, when I do my research. And and regarding, you know, the, the, the other context, well, yes, some sometimes would be difficult, especially uh, when I would like to do some interview with um, the care of the patients, because you would have to do more paperwork, and especially you need to pass the the, the ethical approval as well. And 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 another challenges would be the recruitment, because I, I guess I would like uh, you know international students are not really uh, know more about the, the local context, so sometimes I do know the person who I would like to reach to get contact so um uh, so that's why i i, I um, you know another difficulty to find a participant you know take part in my study 
However, I, I suppose that um, another great, um, uh, you know, uh, the, the good side is that the people in Northern Dairy friendly and, and um, hospitality, so they're hospitable, hospitality, because um, I guess that if I did this work in Vietnam, it's not kind of easy. Everyone really, you know, they really wants to help me, especially regarding to the transcribers. Sometimes I, I figure out the difficulty, some words they spoke, but when I asked my friend, oh, well, what, what the interview interviewee talking about, so they could hear very quickly and they really try themselves, even them, if, even they may not understand clearly, but they will try to re-listen again and again, you know, and try to, to help me out with this uh, difficulties. So that's a good sign. And one more thing is that uh, the paperwork here in Northern is very straightforward and clear. Although it's a bit difficult here at the first stage, but if you you read on the if you read on these things and then you just follow the step, then it would be you know easy for you to do. And, and so so at least uh, there are some you know great points on advantages. So it somehow like compensate to the other challenges, and and I and still like it's a great experience. So if I had another chance to study another PhD in Belfast, yeah, that would be another good option <laughs> as well. There you go. You're signing yourself up for another PhD. The experience was was that good with the first one. Um, well, look, yeah. I think a, a lot of the challenges that you've mentioned, while um, Carmel kind of reminds me of the conversation we had in the, the podcast a while back when, when we were talking a little bit about primary care research a little bit more generally. Another thing on that too was about the sort of international scope and the reach of the work that you do and, and that your students now do as well. So I guess that the dynamic has changed a little bit now, you know, with yourself and Amira and Hua in that your your former students have now become collaborators in a way and, and you're working together on that. Could you maybe talk me through a little bit about how those collaborations are now are now working um and how they maybe allow you to have a little bit of a, or even more of an international impact in terms of the research that you do and, and how that maybe might change from context to context. So um, at this stage, Amir and Hua have published all of their, their work from their, their thesis. So um, they have those those good publications, uh, really good publications. Um, and I think Amir used a point earlier on and made a comment about having transferable skills. And I think that both the, the projects that both of them did, I think, do set them up very well for taking on future projects using the techniques and the methods that they would have learned here in Belfast. So doing systematic reviews, doing structured questionnaires, doing qualitative work, doing Delphi's, doing nominal group technique studies. Um, and they know how to, to start a study and how to do the background literature, etc. So in, in Amira's case, for example, um, she's interested in um, continuing on doing work in, in uh, primary care and she can talk a little bit more about that as, as well. And, and uh, we've talked a little bit about how I could get involved in that. And with Hua, um, his work was, was around uh, antibiotics and, and core outcome sets. And uh, he's a, an honorary research fellow with us here in, in the School of Pharmacy. Um, he has been working with another member of staff, um, Ying Fen, in terms of doing some work around systematic reviews um, associated with antibiotic prescribing, in this case, in um, paediatric uh, populations. Um, so I think having those links and maintaining those links, I think, works well in both directions from the point of view of us having alumni out there who are continuing to do really good work back in their own countries, but also being able to spread the word about Queen's, but equally for us as well, being able to maintain those links and to continue to be involved um, to sometimes a, a greater or lesser extent in, in some of the, the work that they do. And I, I think both Amira and Hua know that, you know, that I'm still continuing to be very interested in, in terms of what they do and would always be more than happy to work with them in the future because they were such such great PhD students. And I suppose just one other thing not to forget about that both Amira and Hua encountered over the course of their PhD was COVID. Um, it hit in March of 2020, both when they were in, in the midst of, of data collection and, and Hua mentioned a face-to-face -face meeting that was due to take place that basically just had to be cancelled almost at the very last minute and everything had to be moved online. And that also was the case with Amira as well. Um, her She was planning an interview study, um, which probably would have taken place face to face but it didn't work out like that and uh, everything again had to be moved online and in fact supervision had 
to be moved online um, and they both finished their, their PhDs uh, and their vivas were online as well. And I actually didn't see Amira and Wa literally face to face. I think in your case, Wa, I think it was probably the week before you went back to Vietnam. It was the first time I saw you face to face, maybe in, in at least over a year. And similarly with um, I know particularly in Wa's case, well, Amira as well, we were under pressure to, to try and get them finished up so they could go back home um, because they'd not been able to do that at all over the course of the pandemic. And I know in Hua's case, um, there were only a certain number of flights leaving the UK to go back to Vietnam. And if he hadn't submitted his thesis and had his viva done by a particular date, um, he would have had to wait maybe another three, four months in order to be able to get back to Vietnam again. So everybody's working under hugely pressured conditions and the most unusual of conditions as well. And I've, I've got to say, they both coped with it remarkably well. You know, Juan and his wife were completing their PhDs, Amira and her husband were completing her, their PhDs, along with looking after um, uh, Amira's daughter as well, who wasn't able to go to, to school. So it was the most unusual, and I have to say the most unfortunate of circumstances that, that they in which they finished the, their PhDs, but they really did remarkably well. Yeah, it's um, PhDs are challenging enough without throwing in a, a global <laughs> yeah. pandemic and doing everything online and trying to shift the the methods that are sort of maybe a bit more yeah. commonplace yeah. to having to do all these things online as well. So that, that, and I think I, I th and I think to produce really good studies, you know, in Amira's case, she was recruiting GPs, community pharmacists, and general general practice pharmacists at the most horrendous time for healthcare. <laughs> but you know, she was able to get you know, really healthy numbers and produced a really great study, which ended up being published in the British Journal of General Practice. And in fact, Amira is an old hand at, um, at podcast because, again, she participated in a podcast that now has been published by the British Journal of General Practice about that study. Um, and again, similarly with why he was finishing off again another qualitative piece, a nominal group technique. And again, all of that had to be moved online. And logistically, it was very difficult to do. But got it done and again produced a really great paper out of all of that work so it's amazing what you can do with a little bit of creativity and a very good um internet connection <laughs> absolutely yeah that's one of the, the critical things right absolutely yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it comes up, back to that, that sort of adaptable transferable skills piece as well right which is and again that says a lot about yourself amira and Hua, where it's it's taking the opportunities where they are and you know the, having those skill sets and being able to now normalize having things like focus groups and interviews with with professionals and with patients online which i'm sure maybe brings some advantage to what you maybe do now as well but would that be right i guess in terms of what you both do mira maybe yes um i think uh, if anyone want to like uh, to continue here uh, the studies like uh, doing phd he needs uh, to learn skills like you need to get skills because mm. if you uh, do a research and uh, this is the only research i can do and then one move to uh, like uh, the original country and they asked uh, what uh, you did i i think if you uh, tell them only i can do that and i can do like this 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 no this is not a phd the phd uh, you need to uh, get a uh, transferable skills uh, to move to your country and say, I can do that, I can do that, and I can do that. So um, I think uh, this is the, uh, the aim of any, uh, like, PhD, like, to, get, to go back to your country and say, I have learned a lot of skills that I can apply now in uh, my uh, country. So that's, this is what, uh, for me, this is what I have learned, uh, like, if you have a good supervisor and if you have a good uh, like uh, research topic, you can move what you have learned or you can transfer what you have learned, uh, for example, in your in the UK to uh, Jordan. So this is what I uh, I'm thinking about uh, good like uh, uh, research and uh, to uh, how you can move uh, your skills or how you can transfer your skills to uh, your uh, country. Excellent. So what I yeah. wanted to talk a little bit about, just to kind of move towards the end of our conversation, is is what about you're both doing now, really? Um, so well, maybe if, if I start with you, um, Carmel's already mentioned that you're a, 
a visiting academic still at the School of Pharmacy, which is great to hear, even though you're many thousands of miles away at the minute. But can you tell us a little bit about your your current role, what, what you do in that role, what your maybe your research focuses on at the minute? Yeah, sure. Uh, so I'm now a lecturer, so it means that I would, you know, do some teaching task, you know, you know, teaching for um, the undergrad students or even like the postgrad students, like the master students as well. So most of the time I would do teaching tasks. And well, I also, well, you know, to be honored to receive like position considered as the module coordinator, because like um, this is somehow like a tradition, um, traditional work in, in, in my department, whenever you finish PhD, that you would like um, receive what we call, uh, you know, receive a gift as like promoted as a module coordinator, which means that you would, um, uh, you know, try to uh, schedule, uh, you know, the, the, the teaching lessons or even like teaching subjects for every staff in a department. But, but actually that's like, you know, another task you would do beside uh, your professional tasks. And, and also, um, you know, besides doing the teaching task, I also do research as well, because at the lecturer here at the university, you also need to complete uh, the task for, uh, you know, you need to complete at least one, even like two uh, studies uh, per year, like even like a small studies with um, a project with a student as well. So uh, I'm now, um, you know, still um, focusing on, because my major is about antimicrobials and antibiotics, and 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 also you know um, you know a supervisor of uh, some students the undergrad students also the master students they do the job uh, to collect data so um, I I also get the experience and you know doing PC um, at Queens to uh, you know get used to the primary care um, study so right now um, uh, I I got three small projects with my students to uh, you know to do study in primary care where we would do with uh, pharmacy first because the local pharmacy the community pharmacy in Vietnam we also have a lot of uh, things to do with to, to to improve and also I have some connection with the hospital so we also do some projects in hospital especially to improve the antibiotic use in in that facility as well um, and and that is just like um, the first stage because um, not only students, but um, I also trained, um, you know, because what I've learned from the UK is really um, um, priceless, where, um, you know, it's invaluable because I have learned uh, the task to do multitask, also uh, some sort of um, skills doing research. So at, at some times, well, I also, you know, uh, gather students and then show them how to cope with that. And then actually, and build up like, uh, um, a mini team where each student would have their own skill to, to do research. And we we were actually plan maybe in the future, near future, we, we try to, you know, build up, we gather information uh um although it is a tiny part, but when it gather together, then we have enough information to build up uh, you know, a, a base to do a, like a bigger project. And then at a current, uh, when, when I came back home, I also applied for a small grant where actually, you know, the grant with, um, with another uh, a foreign university in, in, in Taiwan. And that was like um, a small grant for building up, you know, an, an algorithms like to predict uh, antibiotic resistance. And so I also consult uh, my colleague, that's Yin Fan at Queens, and she's really helpful and very kind. And, and I also come up with this project, and then now uh, we are running up with the final stage where we try to combine the results, and then we going to place maybe this year, even like the beginning of next year. And after that result, then we also plan, you know, to do like further reach, uh, further project with this um, uh, topic as well. So Good this stuff. is what people what what have done so far. Yeah. Uh, after coming back from Queens. Yeah. <laughs> Good to see that theme persisting, but just within a different setting, you know, and that's, that's kind of what this is all about in terms of, of you know, being able to, to widen that set and, and have a bit yes. more of an impact. Yeah. Amira, what about yourself? What are you, are you working on at the minute in your current role? Yeah. Uh, when I went back uh, from Belfast to Jordan, um, I have started, uh, I started working as um, uh, assistant professor uh, in a clinical pharmacy and pharmacy practice at the Zaytun University of Jordan. So for me, for the first uh, like uh, couple of months, <laughs> I was uh, uh, preparing uh, lectures because this is the, the first <laughs> months in my life as an assistant uh, professor. And at the same time, uh, I was working uh, on the first draft of um, 
uh, on the last uh, two studies in my uh, PhD, like to publish uh, the uh, last uh, two studies because uh, during my PhD, I have uh, published uh, two studies. Uh, and uh, after I have uh, finished my PhD, uh, I was preparing the first uh, drafts for uh, manuscript for the last uh, two studies. And uh, as uh, my prof Carmen said, we have published all of these uh, studies. So we, we were very happy with that. Uh, so I was working on these uh, manuscripts uh, and also uh, preparing uh, lectures. Uh, and uh, now I am uh, I, I applied for a grant from uh, the University of Jordan uh, to establish or to start uh, conduct a research in a primary care and I am waiting uh, for their approval. So once I got uh, this grant, uh, I can have a research assistant. Uh, to help me uh, to conduct uh, yeah, research because we are yeah in the teaching we were so busy we have like 18 hours teachings per week so that's a lot <laughs> I need to have a research assistant and as also Prof Carmel said uh, we need uh, I, I have I talked about the uh, collaboration uh, between uh, Zaytuna and QB like to do conduct a research and that's I think uh, uh, a good start uh, like for me to learn a lot um so that's for me <laughs> good very exciting again yeah it, that collaboration thing is, I think is is really important and that's you know, yeah big opportunity for all of this and you know you're learning mm. those skills from Carmel and then yes being able to, to work alongside one another and kind of yeah. widen that impact there. Sure. Uh, uh, Carmel, I'll maybe come to you on that. We'll maybe close out the conversation here and maybe just some final thoughts from you on that, I guess, in terms of, you know, obviously um, students like Amira and Hua come here, they they do uh, studies in the context of, of our healthcare system and what we do. And th as we've heard over the course of the conversation today, those healthcare systems can be very different in, in different locales. And that maybe provides a good opportunity for people like Amira and Hua to, to fly the flag for for pharmacy um where it might not be you know the case at the minute currently in those in those areas in terms of that collaboration for you personally you know what what is the the sort of the the opportunity there for you in terms of being able to kind of widen that impact and you know what does that offer you in terms of of the research and, and what it can actually mean well I think um the fact that Amir and Hua have gone back and are beginning now to, to launch their own research careers, you know, represents, I suppose, what we want to see coming from international PhD students uh, and um, the fact that they're able to, to start their own research careers and they're taking that very systematic approach that both of them have talked about. Um, you know, it's not as though they're necessarily going to re replicate the same studies, but they know now how to go about setting up a research study from scratch and working their way through uh, literature reviews and then adopting the most appropriate methods. And I mean, you need to remember as well that the PhD is just start of, of research training and that you continue to need to learn as um, you work your way through uh, a research career because what you did for your PhD um, could end up being you know really quite different five years down the line in terms of what you're doing and certainly that was the case for me my PhD was lab-based and you know what I do now is entirely different to that so I think you have to be and they are both very receptive to new ways of do doing things new types of, of methods and methods don't stand still there's always developments and again, your your interests may change over time as well. And Juan Amira may end up doing you know studies on different things than, than what they have done for for their PhDs. And I suppose as well, the other thing about you know students going back to their home countries, they can act as ambassadors for Queens and tell people about the experience that they have. And we would hope then that, that might stimulate um, other students to think about doing PhDs overseas and particularly at Queens. And Hua and, and Amira were really excellent students. You know, they were just a, a joy to supervise. And um, I would hope that in, in the future that perhaps we would be able to have more students of the calibre of, of Amira and Hua coming back to, to Belfast, uh, doing PhDs, um, having the experience both of them had, hopefully without a pandemic, and then going back. Because you, you want, I think you do want to develop cohorts of, of students who will then add to the research capacity within their own countries. And that's part of the reason why their universities are very keen to send them out into the world to develop those skills, to bring them back 
to inspire the next generation and to build up research capacity um, to the point where Amira and Hua themselves will end up supervising PhD students in the future in their own countries, because I think that's important as well. It's not just about exporting students, but I think there also has to be the internal development um, of students and research culture uh, within um, their, their home countries as well. So I think it's very much a two-way street. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for that, Carmel. And yeah, I think it's, you know, the conversation today has kind of, you know, made it really clear that the, the importance of people like yourselves, Amir and Hua, coming to Belfast and studying and, and learning a little bit more about the, those those approaches from experts like Carmel and, and others within her, her group. And the fact that you guys are now having a big impact on, on what you're doing following the experience that you've had at Queen's is really, really great to hear about. So I really appreciate you taking some time today to, to have a, a little conversation with us about that. It's been fantastic to learn about what you've, you've done before and what you're doing now. It's really exciting to to know that you'll you'll be collaborating with us and, and it'll be really exciting to see what happens in the future in terms of you revolutionizing pharmacy and healthcare within your own countries and within your own locales as well. So I think that just really leads me to say thanks very much to, to all three of you. So Dr. Amira Hassan-Ibrahim and Dr. Hua Nguyen and also to Professor Carmel Hughes from the School of Pharmacy. Um, really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us again today. What I'll also do um, for those of you who are listening to the podcast is I'll provide some additional information about some of that work um, uh, that Carmel has, has done with, with Amira and with Hua. Um, I'll link to that podcast that um, Carmel has mentioned earlier on as well. So you can find out a little bit more about that work and any opportunity to get more podcasting opportunities are, are always there, um, always worth taking. So again, many thanks to, to all three of you for the conversation today. Um, I hope those of you listening at home have really enjoyed the podcast and we speak to you again on the next episode of Pharmacast. But until then, thanks very much for now. Thank you.